Thank you for that great hymn, Patrick. Open your Bible, please, to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. And I'd like to direct your attention to a few words in verse number 19. Acts 20 and verse 19. Notice the first portion of this verse. It says, serving the Lord with all humility of mind. I want to talk with you about serving the Lord today. And serving the Lord requires humility. I mentioned earlier that last Sunday, first Sunday of 2019, was our annual Consecration Sunday, when we do more than just sort of give mental assent to giving ourselves to the Lord, we actually do it and we formally, lovingly present ourselves like it says in Romans 12:1, that you give your bodies to the Lord. And so we did that the best we could a week ago. Now some folks might think that that is an end in itself. No, it's not. That's a beginning. That's not the end. Folks, that's the beginning when we give ourselves over to the Lord. Like it says in Hebrews 6.1, let us go on unto perfection. And I want to suggest to you that uh, the perfection, or at least a greater portion of the perfection, is becoming a servant of God. That, I believe, is the will of God for every Christian, man, woman, and young person is to become one of God's servants. And that is our goal for 2019. There's our banner up there, serving the Lord with all humility of mind. And notice the uh, reference and the year match, 2019. And so that's a nice little mental little uh, hook that you can uh, uh, use to remember what we're trying to emphasize. Uh, this may be our last year before the Lord returns. The world is getting so bad and so wicked. I'm amazed we've made it this far. I was thinking back 19 years ago when we hit the year 2000, Y2K, remember all that? And the planes were supposed to fall from the sky and, you know, dogs were supposed to speak and all kinds of things. And it, it didn't happen. Didn't, the Lord didn't return. And I thought, well, maybe 2001. Well, I'm here to say he didn't return in 2001. Nor 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 10, 15. We're at 2019. All these years have gone by. And it's really just a miracle of God's grace. There are more people that need to be saved here in this city and around the world. And I believe that this is the ultimate purpose and reason. And God knows who all is going to get saved. And when the last person uh, gets saved uh, in God's timetable, the fullness of the Gentiles is what he says in the Bible, that that's when Jesus is coming back. But no man knoweth the hour or the day. We don't know. There are people on the internet saying that Jesus is going to come back at this certain month, this certain day, this certain hour, this certain year. Don't believe it. We hope he comes back even today, but we don't know for sure. And so if we're smart, if we're wise, we will do two things. We will plan as if Jesus may not come back for a long time. So we'll have our plans laid down properly through much prayer. But number two, we will live as if Jesus could come back this afternoon. You see those two things? Very important for us. I first learned that way back in the 70s. Uh, I got saved in 75, and I started listening to a guy named Theodore Epp from Back to the Bible on this little radio broadcast. What a blessing he was to me. And I sent away for some of his Bible studies, and I think I still have them after all these years. 
And I remember him saying these two things. And I've been checking them out. And I think he's bang on the money. We've got to plan as if Jesus may not return for a long time. But we need to live as if Jesus is going to come back any moment now. And so I want to talk with you today on this important subject. Serving the Lord requires humility. Let's start with prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we humble ourselves at your mighty throne and we ask for wisdom. Truth is, Lord, the, the wisest of us here, we're still just babes in the woods. The, uh, the most experienced, the, the longest saved, the greatest of us. Father, we are, we are no match for the devil and for all of the enemies that he set up against us and against the church. We need you, Heavenly Father. We need our Lord Jesus and we need the Holy Spirit more than we ever believe or understand. So please help us with this subject today. It's not all that hard to dif difficult to understand, but Lord, help us to have keen minds and humble hearts to take in the truth today. Help us. Help us to learn that in order to serve you, it's going to require humility on our part. And we pray that you'd bless the scriptures in these few thoughts to our hearts for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I've been thinking about it for many years, and I believe with all my heart that the very uh, best way you can spend your life on earth is to be God's servant. I don't think you can do anything finer. I know that there are Christian, born-again men and women who are living for careers and for that corner office and for retirement with a big fat, you know, bonus or something and a gold watch and, you know, to sail off into the sunset. And I know that there are Christian people who've got their eyes on that. And I'm not going to call them, you know, all wicked and wrong, but I'm going to say this, there's something better. Because in the light of eternity... You and I, uh, even if we live to be 100 years of age, this is the smallest little piece of our eternity is right now, right here. And you look at it, how quick your years have gone by. No matter how old you are, how young you are, look how quick they've gone by. Hmm? And uh, eternity, how long is that? Well, there's no measuring stick. There's no device that can measure how long eternity is. And we need to live in light of eternity. Obviously, the first priority is to make sure we're saved. That's the first priority of every man and woman, to make sure they're born again and saved. Because you've got no guarantee. Um, we're reading in the news over in Paris, there was a, a huge explosion in a bakery. And now four people are now, bang, uh, thrown instantly out into eternity. Um, down in California, in a uh, uh, some kind of drug house or something, there were 12 people that took some kind of fentanyl uh, overdose, and um, or 13 people or something. One of them is dead, and the other is in critical condition. Um, the, the guy who gets the gun and runs into the, um, uh, the shopping center, right, and just starts randomly firing. And people are dropping like flies. They had no idea when they got up that morning and got dressed, had breakfast. They had no idea that that would be their last morning. That would be their last day. We have no guarantees on tomorrow. And it's very important. I mean, it's only wisdom and logic that we make sure that we're born again. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, exactly. Examine yourselves. Make sure you're in the faith. You say, well, how do I know if I'm saved? Well, 
the book of 1 John was written to answer that question. You need to study the book of 1 John carefully. And there are several tests you can make to make sure you're saved. Uh, actual practical things that you can look for. And if these things are in your life, then that's evidence you're saved. If they're not in your life, then you have every reason to doubt that uh, whether you're saved or not. And you need to make that right. The answer is not to keep repeating the sinner's prayer over and over for the rest of your days. That's not the answer. The answer is to do it once properly and then to look for the evidence of new life. If you are born again, you will have evidence of new life in you. Well, without a doubt, for the saved man or woman, I believe the best way to spend your life for whatever days, months, or years you have left is to be God's servant. Make that decision today. Be God's servant. Our theme for 2019 is serving the Lord. A lot of Christians, they are glad they're saved, but they're not, they're not interested in serving the Lord because there's a cost involved. And the first cost is humility. You can't serve the Lord with uh, pride as we're going to see. In Philippians 2.7, it says that Jesus took upon him the form of a servant. Now that's important truth. Here's Jesus, God of very God. This, this, the Jesus of the New Testament was the Jehovah of the Old Testament. He was the creator God and he came to earth and he took upon him the form of a servant. Can you imagine that? If anyone should come with all his regal splendor, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, it's Jesus. But that's not how he chose to come. It says very carefully and specifically that he took upon him the form of a servant. Jesus' whole life on earth is an example for you and I to live. And Jesus chose to live his life as a servant. Now, how in the world, you think about that, how in the world could he possibly do that? And the Bible gives us the answer. He humbled himself. That's the answer. It says in the next verse in Philippians 2.8, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. You see, even Jesus felt the need to humble himself. And if he felt that need, let me ask, do you feel that need today? Because he sure did. He came to be a servant and he humbled himself in order to do it. Humility is, I think, the first key to becoming a servant of the Lord. In fact, without humility, I don't believe any of us here can serve the Lord in an acceptable manner. In the Old Testament, in the book of Micah, chapter 6, verse 8, the question is asked, what, does, what doth the Lord require of thee? And it, it, it answers its own question. It says, walk humbly with thy God. Walk humbly with thy God. That's not a, a one-off thing. That's something you do every day. And I'll tell you, you may get close to the Lord in the morning and feel humble, but by noon you may have lost that. And you've got to maintain that humility. Humility is, it's a slippery little thing, isn't it? Some days, the, the, the moment you think you got it, you've lost it. It's just one of those things. And yet it's so key, it's so vital, it's so important for us if we're going to be servants of the Lord. We need to somehow get a mastery over this thing of humility. The word humble means low, L-O-W. It means to be near the ground. It means to flatten down. And it means this, folks. 
We can't be puffed up if we want to serve the Lord. We can't be puffed up if we want to walk with the Lord. Remember that uh, Micah 6.8 says to walk humbly with God. Did you realize this? That God has to humble himself in order to walk with you or with me? God has to humble himself even today in order to walk with you or me. You say, how is that possible? Very simple. You consider the mother of, say, a one-year-old. Children, by the time they turn one, they're up on their feet taking their first steps, approximately. Some are a little sooner, some are a little later, but approximately one year of age. The, the little darling is able to start walking. Well, there's mother by her, her boy's side. And in order for mom to walk with her boy, mom has to humble herself. She has to maybe bend her knees a little. She has to crouch down a little. She has to creep along, whereas mother could normally walk upright and walk very quickly. But she can't do that if she's going to walk with her boy. She has to humble herself and take careful little baby steps in order to walk with her son. God has to humble himself in order to walk with you and I. And what Micah is saying is walk humbly with thy God. Never forget this, that God is much more powerful, bigger, greater, smarter, more eternal than we are. And he has to humble himself if he's going to walk with us. And then he calls us to do the same thing. Because some of us got pride problems and we don't even realize it. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But our text here in Acts chapter 20 and verse 19, I think, is, is just hitting the nail on the head. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind. Humility, I think, is the first step, folks. We have to make sure, if we're going to be servants of the Lord, we address the subject of humility. Without humility, we cannot be servants of the Lord. And I'll tell you today, some men just really need to be humbled in life. Do you believe that? Amen, that's for sure. Let me tell you a true story about a man named James Tillis. Maybe you've heard of him, maybe you haven't. James Tillis, he's still alive, but back in the 1980s, he was a very famous heavyweight boxer. He was famous as a boxer. He was from Oklahoma, kind of a cowboy. And he remembers his first day in Chicago. And in his own words, listen to what he said. Now this is the great, high and mighty James Tillis, he said, I got off the bus with two cardboard suitcases under my arms in downtown Chicago, and I stopped in front of the Sears Tower. I put my suitcases down, I looked up at the tower, and I said to myself, I'm going to conquer Chicago. When I looked down, my suitcases were gone. <laughs> now, that's humbling. Humility is so important that Jesus taught us how to pray. And he said when we do, we are to pray, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. True humility will prefer God's will over my will. True humility, listen to this, will not only yield to God's will, but listen, true humility will do it with joy. That's an important aspect. You know, sometimes with the children, you ask them to obey, and sometimes they don't want to do it. They don't want to do it. They want to do something else. And you're asking them to do something they don't want to do. And so it's a fight, or a struggle, I should say. Their will against your will. 
And sometimes they'll do it. Oh, all right, I'll do it. And they stomp off and they do what you ask them. And you feel bad inside. But if you ask your son or daughter to do something and they stop what they're doing and they say, sure, no problem, I'll do that for you, Mom. I'll do that for you, Dad, no problem. And off they go with a smile. Boy, does that ever make you feel good, huh? Think of our Heavenly Father. You can submit your will to His will. Only you can do it against your will. And you can do it with a little dark cloud over your head. Oh, all right. If that's what you want, I'll do it. You want me to tithe? All right, here, take it. You want me to be in church? All right, I'll be in church. You want me to read the Bible? Okay, all right. How much do I have to read? And you can do that and be very unhappy. But true humility says, Lord, what do you want me to do? Ah, now I think I know. Thank you, Lord. And we go about and do it. Do you see the difference? And I think that's important difference. That's the proper prayer attitude, I think, of the humble servant, giving up his own will in preference to God's will. Now, it's easy to say that we're going to be humble. That's easy to say, but it's not so easy to do. Let's be honest. You say, why is that? Here's why, and I think you know the answer, because humility is the opposite of what we're all born with, human pride. Pride is a real dog. I think that men have more of a pride struggle, a pride problem than women do. That's just my, my opinion, but uh, I've never been a woman. Don't plan on it, but I can tell you from a man's point of view, a lot of guys have a pride problem. Even Christian men, a pride problem. And uh, whew, it's opposite to humility. Pride says, me. Pride says, my way. Pride says, listen, all right, I'll do it your way, but at the end of the day, I need to get blessed. You see, all that's pride. There's other ways pride expresses itself, but pride is a real dog. And listen to this, proud people breed sad sorrows for themselves. I'll say that again. Proud people breed sad sorrows for themselves. Say, how do you know that? How in the world could you know that? I know that because God told me. So God told you where? Proverbs 16, 8. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. You think of every major fall you've had. You think about it. Wasn't there some pride in there somewhere? And someone said, don't let pride be your guide. Boy, I wish I'd come up with that one. Don't let pride be your guide. Some men just need to be humbled. Got another boxing story for you, if you don't mind. This one is told of the boxing champion of the world, Muhammad Ali. He died just a few years ago. Muhammad Ali was in an airplane flying to one of his engagements. And understand this, Ali was never known to be a humble man. He's a guy who'd... who'd dance around and say, I dance like a butterfly, I sting like a bee. And he would just, he was big mouth. He was, he was a mouth with two feet. That's what he seemed to be. And so uh, during the, the flight on the airplane, they ran into some foul weather. And they, the 
plane began to move and people began to be tossed about and the passengers were told to fasten their seatbelts and everyone fastened their seatbelt except Ali. Noticing this, the flight attendant went to him and requested that he fasten his seatbelt. To which Muhammad Ali replied, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And the flight attendant, not missing a beat, responded and said, Superman don't need no airplane either. <laughs> Some men just need to be humbled. Back in 1985, a man came to our church in Ottawa. That's where I was for 18 years pastoring there. He came to our church in Ottawa. He wanted to talk with me after the church service. He told me that he had the spiritual gift of letting pastors cry on his shoulder. Now, just so there's no misunderstanding, there is no spiritual gift like that. It does not exist. So I told the gentleman that I didn't need his service because pastors are supposed to cry at the feet of Jesus. Well, he uh, took offense to that and never came back to the church. Back in 2001, we had a well-dressed man visit our, our church. Our, it was only about two years old. Our church here was two years old back, back then. I introduced myself to him. I noticed him. I went up. I introduced myself. And I very quickly got the impression that he felt he was God's gift to the church. And uh, this is the only time I've ever said this. I've never said this uh, before or since. But I looked him in the eye and I said, you'll like it here. There's no big shots in this church. He never came back. Probably didn't feel at home. A few years after that, we had another man attend our church. He said he wanted to get involved. I said, great. I offered him a job to serve the Lord as an usher. He told me God hasn't called him to be an usher. God called him to be a Bible teacher. That's what he wants to do, is be a Bible teacher in our church and teach the Bible. Well, I didn't give him that job. And he soon left our church, claiming that all my preaching was directed at him. Everything was against him. Proud people breed sad sorrows for themselves. That's just the truth. The great preacher Andrew Murray used to say, Pride must die in you, or nothing of heaven can live in you. Doesn't that sound good? Pride must die in you, or nothing of heaven can live in you. Another great preacher named Henry Ward Beecher said, Pride slays thanksgiving. Pride puts to death the giving of thanks, but a humble mind is the soil out of which thanks naturally grows. A proud man is seldom a grateful man, for he never thinks he gets as much as he deserves. Now, many of us might say amen to that. But before you do, you think of your job, your place of employment. When you first got the job, you were so thankful to God. And then a few months went by. You started seeing all of the warts and pimples of the company. You started realizing, boy, I'm not the only one unhappy around here. A lot of us are unhappy around here. And you started to realize you weren't being paid enough. What happened? Hmm? You know, whether 
whether your cash flow comes from one company or two companies, or whether you work for yourself and you make your own cash flow, or whether maybe you're on government assistance and you get some kind of governmental cash flow, many of us say we're not getting enough. Many of us fall into that trap. And I'm talking about born again, saved men and women. So few of us understand and obey the scriptures that says to be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Boy, contentment, you know, godliness with contentment, the Bible says, is great gain. Something that we need to learn. How do we learn it? Humility. 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 Prideful people. They never think they get as much as they deserve. Don't let pride be your guide. Learn to be humble and humble yourself daily before God. You do it every day. Every day. You get out of bed and you get alone with God and you humble yourself. You give Him thanks for another day to live and to breathe. You give yourself to Him each and every day. Acts 20, verse 19. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind. Now I'd like to invite you to go to the near the end of the New Testament to the book of 1 Peter. Let's go there together. 1 Peter, and we'll look at a verse or two. In 1 Peter, after the book of Hebrews, James, you get 1 Peter. And go to chapter 5. The subject of humility is so very important. And we find a lot of scriptural teaching. Old Testament and New Testament. But in 1 Peter chapter 5. And I'm going to get your help here. I want you to help me by reading out loud with me. Uh, verse number 5. Uh, let's see, let's do 5 and 6 together, okay? So 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 and 6. Let's begin together. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. And so there's the scriptures, as big as life, telling you and I today that we are to humble ourselves before God. The question is, how do you do that? How do you humble yourself before Almighty God? There's a story <coughs> told about two old mountain goats. Now, you know mountain goats, they love to live on mountains. That's why they call them mountain goats. And uh, amazing uh, footing they have to walk around these mountains on tiny little ledges. And they have to sometimes jump uh, from a ledge to a rock and then to another little chunk of whatever. And that's how they make their way and get around a mountain. Well, these, these two old mountain goats one day came face to face on this very narrow ledge. There wasn't room enough for them to pass side by side. There was only room for one to pass. And these mountain goats came and they faced each other. And what were they going to do? If those mountain goats had been two Christians, one might have said, give way for the better Christian. 
The other one might have, might have said, humph, 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 I've been saved longer than you. You get out of the way. The other one might counter and say, I've got a more important job. I'm serving God. You get out of the way. Of course, to get out of the way meant certain death, right? Did I ever tell you the story about the chicken and the pig in the barnyard? They were going to have a, a dinner, put on a dinner for all of the barnyard animals. And the, the pig said, oh, I like the idea. What, what should we serve? And the chicken said, how about ham and eggs? <laughs> and the pig thought about that and said, uh, wait a minute. For you, that's just an offering. But for me, that's a full-time commitment. <laughs> you know, sometimes we expect others to make the full-time commitment. Whereas, well, we'll just make a little offering. We'll do our part. Do you know the Lord calls upon every one of us to make a full-time commitment? Did you know that? Well, I've got to get back to the two old mountain goats. Can't leave them up there on the mountain. And so what happened was this. One of the old mountain goats got down on its knees and got even lower on its face and on its belly and allowed the other mountain goat to walk over its back. And then that mountain goat got up and the two of them went on their way. That's how they solved their problem. How are you and I going to humble ourselves before the Lord? Well, I think until you and I are ready to get down and to become a bridge for someone else, I don't think we're ready to serve the Lord. You and I need to get down and we need to become a bridge so someone else can find safety. Did you know that Jesus got down and became a bridge so that others could find safety? Do you know that? And he calls upon you and I to follow his example. The greatest thing Jesus did when he came to earth was he humbled himself so he could become a servant. I believe with all my heart that the best way you can live your life here on earth is to be God's servant. And it's going to require humility. I believe that's the first step in this whole process here. Did you know that if you have bad breath, everyone else will know it, but you probably won't know it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Likewise, pride is a disease that makes everyone sick except the person who has it. They're the only ones that don't seem to get sick. Everyone else gets sick of that pride. You may have a pride problem and you don't even realize you've got it. That's what I'm trying to say. Well, what should we do? We should humble ourselves before the Lord. James 4.10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He shall lift you up. When we humble ourselves, we yield to God's will. When we humble ourselves, we accept His changes in our lives. We accept, listen, His restrictions in our lives. I'm living with certain restrictions in my life. Many of you are also. I have a bad back. I have bad lungs. I have bad feet. I don't mean smell. I don't think so, anyhow. 
but uh, I have a lot of pains in my feet. I have diabetes. I've got a, actually about a dozen. I sat down a couple weeks ago and I thought, and I got about a, a dozen things that are wrong with me. And I've prayed and asked the Lord, if it please you, Lord, you could heal these. I know you can. But if I can serve you better with these, then I gladly take them. Say, where do you find that in the Bible? In Corinthians. Paul said he had a thorn in his flesh. A messenger of Satan to buffet him. And he besought the Lord three times, thrice, that God would take it away. And each time God answered him the same. My grace is sufficient for thee. And so Paul got the message. And he said, most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And so that's how I pray. I pray, Lord, this is what I'd like, but not my will, but thine be done. Lord, if it please you, you're able to heal these problems. But, Lord, if it means I can serve you better, if it means there could be more of the power of God on my life and I could bring forth more fruit for you, if I can be a better servant with these restrictions, I gladly receive them. And I suggest to you, that's not a bad way to look upon things. It'll take the stress away. You won't feel all knotted up over these things. You'll be at peace. You'll be able to serve God. God can still heal them. And by the way, one day He will. Every ache, pain, sniffle, it doesn't matter. God will heal them eventually, one day. You're going to have perfect health in heaven, beloved. But His will, what's His will for my life now? Humility will accept changes. And humility will accept restrictions as well. Whatever it is, God's will. You should be concerned with what is God's will for your life. What is God's will for your life concerning church attendance, concerning tithing, concerning supporting of missionaries, concerning learning how to let your life shine, your light shine, to be a witness. We've, we've got a program we call a Soul Winners University. We teach it twice a year. You need to come to that. What is God's will for your life in these areas? See, if we humble ourselves before God, true humility will yield with joy. Let's stand to our feet now for prayer, shall we? Again, we ask the question, how do we humble ourselves before the Lord? Can I make a suggestion or two? Coming forward on the invitation is a humbling thing. Many people... They feel convicted of the truth, but they won't come forward on an invitation because pride is holding them back. Coming forward on an invitation and praying to God, that's one way to humble yourself. If you're saved but you're not properly scripturally baptized, maybe you were sprinkled or something like that or poured when you were a baby, you've never been properly baptized since you've been saved, that's another good way to humble yourself before the Lord. If you're saved and baptized, but you're not a member, that's another excellent way to humble yourself before the Lord. I suggest you come on the invitation, you talk it over with God, you promise Him your obedience to His will. You can fill out one of those little connection cards when you get back to your seat and let me know your desires and I'll talk with you and we'll make plans. But come and take the first step and ask God to humble you and to make you usable for His service.